Hello, friends. Alan Kirshner here from Eschatos Ministries. Since we went live with Bible Prophecy Daily, we have delivered a program every weekday to listeners. With a premillennial, pre-wrath, rapture focus, our Bible teachers are the best at helping Christians understand and prepare for Christ's return. Would you prayerfully consider your regular support of this ministry? You can easily do so by clicking the support button in the corner of the podcast website at BibleProphecyDaily.com. Thank you. You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Hello, this is Marquis Laughlin, and I'm your host for Bible Prophecy Daily Podcast. This particular podcast is going to introduce you to uh, what I hope will be a, a valuable resource for you. Um, I performing the Bible, uh, traveling around the world, presenting Revelation, John's Gospel, Genesis, Acts, uh, Ecclesiastes, Exodus. Um, I have presented probably Revelation close to 700 times over the past 25, 30 years or so. And one of the frustrations that I had early on was that I could not find a good commentary uh, on the book of Revelation. There were very, um, some were very detailed, but there was a lot of things missing that really kind of irked me that were very simple, childlike questions. And the more I thought about that, as I ran into different people struggling to understand it, uh, some of the best insights that I found that I got from other believers were from believers who had occupations that had a focus on on a particular area. Um, and I think of how Luke gives us his physician's perspective uh, in, in his gospel. His recording of it is uh, uh, focused on the facts and uh, has an angle that shows that he was a physician. It reveals kind of his occupation, his area of expertise, his calling, quote unquote. Um, I've run into uh, lawyers that become believers and they are very keen on the legal uh, aspects of what is in God's word. And that always makes me appreciate it better. I, I, you run into a messianic, a Jewish believer, a believer who believes in Jesus as the Messiah. And they have uh, all of their culture and all sorts of things that they see in the scriptures that we may miss or overlook. And they bring another emphasis to it. So what I wanted to try to do is share um, my perspective as a storyteller um, with you. Um, you know, our struggle is always, um, if you're an actor and you're presenting uh, a script, your first job is to try to get the director's perspective. And I think that's what we're all doing with scripture. We're trying to get, the goal is try to get the mind of Christ and to see things the way he sees them. And God is the ultimate uh, screenwriter, as it were. He's the ultimate storyteller. He is uh, the master. And so it, w w we're looking at his word. It is a, a history revealing his story, his struggle with mankind and what is going on. So we are looking at the ultimate story and we're trying to get uh, an understanding of it. And so that's the perspective that I'm going to try to bring to this commentary. Uh, I'm going to attempt to do 
<laughs> a chapter, uh, a, a podcast, but I'm sure there are a few chapters that I'm going to be spending a, a lot more time on. I'm just telling you that ahead of time. So this is uh, this podcast is simply an introduction to this commentary, why it might be interesting to you, the differences between a, another commentary and it. Um, one of the other things I like to bring out is that um, we have this whole perspective uh, particularly in the West, it's a Western style of storytelling, um, and it is different than in the Middle East. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like learning Hebrew and realizing, wow, when you look at the their alphabet, they each one of the letters in their alphabet they have less letters, but each one of the letters is literally. Uh, uh, part of a picture. And when you put the words together, when you put the letters together, they really f form uh, a, a way of communicating that is so visual um, that there's another layer of information there. So the same can be said of our inability in the West to grasp the storytelling style of the Middle East, the storytelling style of the Bible and the rabbis kind of grasp it because it it it, it uh, has affected the way most rabbis are taught to teach. Um, you tell a story, and you see it. You see Jesus doing this all the time. He tells a story to illustrate a point. Then he tells another story to illustrate the same point, and then he tells maybe even a third story to t illustrate the the point again. And each time you hear his story, you get a different camera angle on the same reality. So that is, uh, we're, we're not used to that. We're used to just tell me the beginning, middle and end, but Jesus is like, I've got three to five cameras on that. Here's what it looks like from this angle. Here's what it looks like from this angle. And here's what it looks like from this angle. So we, you, I think you have to approach revelation, uh, in particular in that way. And, um, so we're really going to try to focus on, um, context of the big picture. And we're going to try to grab um, big answers to big questions. You know, I always say if you can, if a six or seven year old, if it's a question they would ask, then it's probably important. It's like a big piece of information that will tell you how to interpret other things based on the truth of the that information. So we're really going to be using the scripture to interpret the scripture, which is the ultimate form of context, because the Bible says, all of thy word is truth. And also uh, in Isaiah, it also says that God has does, does nothing without first telling his servants, the prophets. So there is a lot of information in the scripture about what God is going to do. And our job is to go back and find it. You know, uh, Revelation is interesting uh, because it really, I always tell people, it's kind of the final exam of the Bible. Um, uh, it, it's estimated on the low end that three out of every four verses in Revelation is a reference to an Old Testament passage. The Old Testament, of course, makes up 70% of our scriptures, so we shouldn't really be surprised. Um, but what does that require us to do? We're looking at... Um, the end of the story. So we have to uh, look at all of the clues that Revelation offers us by referring to things that the prophets have said before. So there's this conference, the constant 
you read a verse and then you say, wait a minute, this is a quote from Isaiah. And you have to go back into Isaiah and read the quote and get the context there to understand more fully what Revelation is saying. And unfortunately, so many people are, I think there's an intimidation with Revelation because it is, you, you have to study the quizzes. There's no way around that. It's like being in a college course and not showing up for weeks and then, okay, I'll take the final. Let's get into this. And you, when he says a word, you don't even know it's a clue to what what the answer is. So you have to be able to go back and do that. And that takes time and effort. And I think we're we're really our culture, particularly in America, is is just we want an expert to tell us and we want to fast forward. So uh, in order to be able to take the words to heart that are in Revelation, which we're we're, uh, told is a good thing if we do, then we need to look at where they came from, where God is quoting, he's he's reminding us, I told you this already, and we need to go back and see that, and then we'll be able to see it more clearly. Um, the other danger with Revelation, I think, is because there is uh, uh, such visual imagery, there are symbolic things, there are all kinds of different types of language in Revelation. We have a tendency, because of our it, because it's easy to say, well, that is symbolic, so I can put it in my symbolic box, and it it means that it's not as literally true because it's symbolic, and and I always caution people against that. I say, look, things are true whether they're symbolic or not. They're just as true as something that's not symbolic. So you really need to make sure that it is uh, 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 the, that you are looking at that symbol and you're going back into the scriptures and finding out what that symbol literally means because God is giving us a literal truth. There is no such thing as symbolically fulfilled prophecy, Bible prophecy. Um, Bible prophecy is always literally fulfilled. Uh, so we, we won't have that box of, well, I thought that was just your way of describing this. No, God has picked the words to describe things, um, perfectly. We, there was no upgrade when we get to heaven, we won't go, well, why didn't you just say this plainly? No, we'll understand exactly why he said what he said and the way he said it. And it will, we'll agree with him that it was the best way to describe it, literally. So I always caution people against that because we have a tendency to whatever we don't understand, then we assume it can't be true. It can't be literally true because we can't understand it. And I think that's, a, that's an easy mistake to make in Revelation. <clears throat> Let me read you um the english standard version bible's introduction to the book of revelation now this is what i believe is a great bible and um i i'm familiar with several of the uh people who actually did this translation put it together um and let me read this to you and then i'll try to tell you kind of what you might expect from this as a an addition or a contrast here's what the english standard version bible says for the book of revelation it says the revelation of jesus christ chapter 1 verse 1 in parentheses was probably written by the apostle john while in exile on the island of patmos off the coast of present-day Turkey. It was addressed to seven actual churches. Revelation begins with letters from Christ himself to these churches, letters that include commendation, criticism, and comfort. Then comes a long series of visions of judgment on the wicked, all in highly symbolic language. The church is depicted under great distress, 
but is assured of the final triumph of Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords, chapter 19, verse 16, bringing to an end the rebellion of humanity and ushering in a new heaven and a new earth, chapter 21, verse 1, where God himself will reign forever and ever, chapter 11, verse 15. Revelation was probably written A.D. 95 to 96. Now, that is an excellent introduction, but it is going to leave you um, scrambling for very big answers to questions if you if that's if you think you can read the summary and you can just then go oh you're ready to read Revelation. Um, the the challenge here is that what we're looking at in context. Uh, he has outlined kind of God's plan and said, "Okay, this is kind of where it fits." But what we're what we're what we're going to be struggling with right away is are, are simple questions. And, and and I was asking myself these as an actor. Uh, God was leading me to memorize and perform Revelation, and I was struggling because the first thing you need to do if you're going to present something or perform it or act it, you need to understand it. So I had to I had to know. Well, why was it written? Um, who wrote it? Um, why? Every time I hear a line, somebody say a line, I say, why is this angel saying that right now? Why is this emphasized at the beginning of the book? One of the struggles I had, of course, was I was memorizing Revelation to try to understand the timing of the rapture. I wanted to write a script about the end times. And so I was I was convicted that um, because I was reading everybody and great teachers that you, you know the name of, I, I won't mention names, but they disagreed on it and they uh, agreed on everything else. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. Um, there's some good teachers that have to be pretty wrong because not everybody can be right. You know what I'm saying? So I, I thought I, I will, I prayed about it. I, I needed to know more scripture. You know, clearly the scripture is, I can depend on that. So I started memorizing revelation. And one of the things I found right away that struck me was the reason why it was written, uh, it, what it is and why it was written. It's the, the very first verse is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the unveiling of Jesus to the world. This is when the world's going to see Jesus in his full glory. Uh, it's about a time when that's going to happen. And uh, God gives it to his angel. And I'm guessing it might be Gabriel. Gabriel gave uh, the information on uh, Christ's first coming. Uh, that's just um, based on scripture. Uh, I think it's a probably a, as solid a guess as you can get uh, based on Scripture. Gabriel seems to be um, the one who makes major announcements uh, about the Messiah. So uh, he sent his angel to his servant, John. Uh, and John, obviously a disciple, exiled on Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. See, all of the answers are in the Scripture uh, that we need to get basic a basic understanding of who's talking to who and why. And then the topic of the book is all about the unveiling of Jesus. So that's our main, you know, that's the main thing. Everything has to do with the day, the timing, the events around, the when Jesus reveals himself to the world. So you have the timing, you know the ultimate context, um, and you can't be uh, fooled into believing, well, this all happened 2,000 years ago, literally, uh, because that's not the purpose of 
the book. The book states its purpose right up front. So there's there's no room for that. You you can't get out of the big basic question, why was the book written? It was written to reveal what's going to happen to people and uh, the world when Jesus is revealed to everybody. When he comes back, here's the things that are going to be going on. Here's what he's going to do. Here's what's going to happen. So that's your context. That's your ultimate context. Now, as you know, with Bible prophecy, God has a different ways of telling his story. So he tends to uh, repeat things that happen already. Um, Events that are prophecies, but they take place in real time when the prophet spoke them. We, we see that over and over again in scripture. And the principle is in Ecclesiastes. Um, whatever exists has already been. What, whatever will be has been before. There is nothing new under the sun. We say even in our secular world, history repeats itself. <laughs> that is very true because of the way God tells his story. He, he will, uh, and often with um, the preservation of his scripture, he will include the miraculous signs so that you will know God was speaking. And then he'll include predictions that actually happen at the time or very close to the time the prophet was speaking. And that, that reveal who Jesus is ultimately, because all history, every day, every person all of creation is ultimately pointing to Christ and to his story. So that's going to be our context as we dig in and um, go through Revelation chapter by chapter. And hopefully I can give you answer some of those big basic questions, the who, what, where, when, and why, and um, make sure that when we uh, interpret a verse or a scene, um, that we interpret it in light of um, what the scripture says about itself. And, you know, that's one of the, one of my pet peeves is people quoting revelation and say, I think it's this. And I think that doesn't, you know, that betrays the very first verse or, you know, the, you know, very, the, the introduction to the book can't be true. If what your interpret, if your interpretation is true. And one of the challenges with revelation is that it is, um, most people don't look at this as good news, but this is the end of God's story. This is the ultimate good news. And so we we need we will, will be blessed if we hear it and take it to heart and read it aloud. We God says you will be blessed, which is like a state of being. You will have peace, you will be blessed. You will you will be blessed, not cursed. You will live in a state of blessedness if you if you hear and heed these words, literally salvation is what we're getting out of that. So what a great, um, what a great opportunity to try to share some, just some of the things that I've just uncovered, uh, by asking simple, hopefully childlike questions, um, uh, to try to understand God's word and his story better. So that, that's why this is called the director's commentary. We're going to try to, uh, get into the mind of the director and uh, look at how he's used different characters that are in Revelation before, so we understand kind of what their role is. You kind of get to know these characters that are these different angels, angels in charge of fire, angels in charge of water, where they may have been used before in the Bible. Just a little bit of kind of behind-the-scenes action um, and try to answer some big basic questions. One of them, um, which we'll do in the next podcast, is the structure of revelation. We're going to try to address that. I, I touched on it briefly here uh, by telling you the style that, uh, uh, of, of writing, um, a story that is unique 
to the Middle East and to Hebrews. So we're going to kind of touch on that and get into chapter one. So until then, uh, this is a great place where I'm going to be posting this commentary regularly. And when it is done, uh, probably about halfway through, I'll start posting it on my website at actsoftheword.com. And of course, you can reach me through that if your church is teaching on Revelation or Daniel or John's Gospel or Genesis. I'd love to come and share uh, the Word of God with them, inspire them to write God's Word in their heart, and um, uh, encourage them to stay grounded, rooted in God's Word. So until next time, or until he comes, Maranatha. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 